it's difficult. And it's difficult and it's complicated as we talk about the Trinity. And this section, this subject is complicated because we are finite and God is not. This subject is complicated because we are not, we are not omniscient. God is omniscient. The Bible is most important in this study, as in any study, because the Bible is God's revealed truth. If you have not memorized Deuteronomy 29, 29, we'll read that in a few moments. That is an important scripture to learn. I have a story that will help us get into this uh, subject. One writes, I've known several people who are physically blind, and I'm amazed by what they can do without sight. Growing up in Alabama, one of the most celebrated sports hero in our state was Charles, uh, Charlie Boswell. Charlie Boswell. Charlie was blinded in World War II while rescuing a buddy from a burning tank. He had always been a great athlete, so after the war, he took up golf. While in college, I saw him play an exhibition match. Of course, he had a friend line him up and give him a distance. But I can testify that it's hard to hit that little white ball when you're looking at it. And I can testify to that, okay? And here's a blind golfer. Boswell won the National Blind Golf Championship 16 times, once shooting a score of 81, which is probably way better than I could do. In 1958, Charlie came to Fort Worth to receive the coveted Ben Hogan Award. Mr. Hogan agreed to play a round of golf with Charlie. Charlie said, would you like to play for money? Hogan said, that wouldn't be fair. Charlie said, come on, Mr. Hogan. Are you afraid to play a blind golfer? Hogan was really pretty competitive, so he said, okay. I'll play for money. How much? Boswell said, $1,000 per hole. Hogan said, that's a lot. How many strokes do you want me to give you? Boswell said, no strokes. I'll play you heads up. Hogan said, Charlie, I can't do it. What would people think of me taking advantage of a blind golfer? Boswell smiled and said, don't worry, Mr. Hogan. Our tea time is tonight at midnight. <laughs> so my application there is without God's word, without the Bible, we are the blind leading the blind. We need the Bible. We need God's word. We need ultimate, inspired, revealed truth. And so, I, you know, and, and I, I want to say something here. Uh, when I work on a sermon, I go through a lot of notes. And I do a lot of study throughout the week. And I save everything to my computer. My computer, I'm a, I'm a computer pack rat. I used to print out all my sermon paper manuscripts and save all my notes. All my notes. And and I quit doing that. I just save it to my computer. It's backed up on two sources, supposedly the east and the west and everywhere else. And, and so when I do sermon research, I look up previous studies I've done on that passage or on that topic. And I'll copy and paste them into one Word, Microsoft Word document. And I'll open up my Logos Bible software, which has like a billion, zillion resources. And I'll do other things. And 
Sometimes my notes end up being 20 pages. Sometimes, I'm not talking about the manuscript, the, the notes, the research notes. Sometimes 40, um, sometimes 100 pages on one of these. And usually, as I'm compiling my notes, putting them together, a sermon flow kind of comes in my head. And so I start putting a Roman numeral 1 at the bottom of the page, and then a 2, and it, it naturally happens. But I have to say, in this series, it just has not been as natural. It's a, it's a little harder figuring out how I can take, you know, 25 to 35 minutes, which is my sermon length goal. Last week it was 25 minutes, in case you want to know. The week before is 30 on the dot, in case you're keeping track. Today it'll be an hour and a half. And um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, I I'm have to think, how do we take this this, what the Bible teaches about God the Father, and put it in a simple sermon. It's not that easy, but we'll try. The Bible reveals a lot about God, and so I have to try to limit it. And, and as we look at it today, we're talking about God the Father today, and getting into the subject of the Trinity and the triunity of the Godhead. And it can be pretty confusing, and that is good. Because look at this quote from C.S. Lewis. If Christianity was something we were making up, of course we can make it easier. But it is not. We cannot compete in simplicity with people who are inventing religions. I love it. We cannot compete in simplicity with people who are inventing religions. How could we? We are dealing with fact. With fact. Of course, anyone can be simple if he has no facts to bother about. Anyone can be simple if you have no facts to bother about. We are looking at the Bible, and the Bible is God's revealed truth. And in Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever. That we may observe all the words of this law. How awesome it is. God has revealed himself to us. Another passage, Psalm 139, 7 through 12. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? This is talking about God. Where can we go from God's spirit? Where can we flee from God's presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, which would be like Hades or the grave, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light, around be me, the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. This is Psalm 139, which we'll get into talking about uh, babies being created in the womb here in a minute. But here it's talking about God and his omnipresence. God is present everywhere. Now, a few people have asked me, how can I do further study about this top about this series? And I meant to bring it up, but did not. The English Standard Version translation, which is a literal translation, a newer translation, study Bible. It's called the ESV Study Bible. It's exhaustive. It's a big study Bible. It's a weapon carried on a dark alley. Bobby can use it during his self-defense class. It's a, it's a big study Bible. In the back has about a hundred pages about God and about theology. It's very, um, 
you know, it's abbreviated. It's, it's fairly easy to read and get through. It also has a few pages about the cults and other world religions and a few pages about how to, study, how to study the Bible. And I'd encourage that. I would really encourage you with that. That's one way you could study this. Let's talk about God's unity and diversity, which is the Trinity. God's unity in diversity. And by the way, this will be an application today. When we are united as a church family in unity with diversity, we are, ref we are reflecting God. When we are united as a church family in unity with diversity, we are reflecting God. Repeat after me. It's on the screen. God the Father is fully God, but not all there is to God. God the Son is fully God, but not all there is to God. God the Holy Spirit is fully God, but not all there is to God. The Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say it again later. One what? Three who's. One what? Three who's. One God existing eternally in unity and three persons. I want to talk about God the Father for a moment. We'll talk about the Son and the Holy Spirit in the next few weeks. In Genesis 1-1, the passage opens, in the beginning, God created. In the beginning, who created? God created. We see God the Father all the way through the Old Testament. The Son and the Holy Spirit are obedient to the Father's will. God is spirit, John 4-24. God is spirit. Jesus was submissive to the Father. John 6.40, Jesus says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. Jesus was always seeking the Father's will. I like what one theologian writes. He says, Thus while the persons of the Trinity are equal in all their attributes, they nonetheless differ in the relationships to the creation. The Son and Holy Spirit are equal in deity to God the Father. But they are, they are subordinate in their roles. Moreover, these differences in role are not temporary, but will last forever. Paul tells us that even after the final judgment, when the last enemy, that is death, is destroyed, and when all things are put under Christ's feet, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things under him, that God may be everything to everyone, 1 Corinthians 15, 28. Isn't that powerful? Even the Son, even Jesus, will turn over the kingdom to God the Father. God the Father planned and directed creation and redemption through the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'll say that again. God the Father planned and directed creation and redemption through the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible seems to reveal. The Father and Son work together like a father and son on earth. Now I want to talk about some of the attributes of God. This is not exhaustive. It's, it's, you know, it's only getting into the subject. But I like what Rabbi Zacharias once said. It's on the screen. God is perfect. He is the only entity in existence whose reason for existence is in himself. Every other entity exists for God. It's, it's simple but profound. 
Every other entity exists for God. We exist for God. We exist to glorify God. We, we exist to have pleasure in God. <clears throat> God exists for himself. As we look at attributes of God, attributes of God, I understand that these attributes are not all separate from God. But they're all kind of cobwebbed together. They're all linked together. Listen, God has wrath. At the same time, God has love. They're not separate. They're not different modes. They're not... They're all linked together. Some will separate God's attributes as incommunicable and communicable. Incommunicable and communicable. Just to keep you awake, everybody say communicable. Okay. I know you're awake. Incommunicable attributes are those that he does not share with us. Incommunicable attributes are those that he shares with us. God has knowledge. Guess what? We can have knowledge. God is a creator, we can create. God is omnipresent, we are not omnipresent. God is omniscient, we are not omniscient. God is omnipotent, we are not omnipotent. We are not all powerful, we are not present everywhere, we do not have all knowledge. So there are differences in attributes. Here's attributes, there's a big list on the screen. Spirituality, self-existence, immutability, unity, truth, holiness. So let's look at some of these with just one scripture. Spirituality. John 4, 24. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is spirit. Self-existence. I got two passages here. Exodus 3, 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Daniel 5, 23. But you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven. The Lord of heaven. He is self-existent. Immutability. I don't really use that word a lot. This means that God does not change. God is unchanging. And praise God that he doesn't change. Because if he did, he could love us today and hate us tomorrow. God does not change. His promises do not, does, do not change. His covenants do not change. They're an everlasting covenant. Malachi 3.6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O sons of Jacob, guess what? Are not consumed. Isn't that amazing? Our sin is a violation against a holy God. He could consume us instantly if he wanted, and he would be just to do so. He would still be holy to do so. Unity. Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. The Lord is one. Truth, that's another attribute of God. Truth, John 17, 16. This is powerful. This is Jesus' high priestly prayer. Jesus is praying right before going to the cross. And listen, they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Say the last part with me. Your word is truth. The Bible, the law of God is truth. And Jesus says, sanctify them in truth. Holiness. Holiness is an attribute of God. Exodus 15, 11, Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness. Awesome in praises. Working wonders. Now, there are these other attributes we call relative attributes. Relative. 
And this means they existed in God before creation. Even before we were created, these attributes existed in God. Now, holiness did as well, but these ones they set apart. Eternity, immensity, omnipresence, omniscience. So eternity, Psalm 92, before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Eternity. Now, eternity is a fun one because it's amazing to think about it. It hurts my brain to think about it. God is outside of time. Imagine that. How can you be outside of time? Uh-oh, I hit a button. Switch that back, please. <laughs> Those demons just keep coming back. Um, God is outside of time. God knows all things that exist in actuality. God knows all things that exist in actuality. God knows all the variables concerning things that have not occurred. Here, I'll just fast forward that, Meg. We're going to take a little recess there. Here we go. Um, God knows all things that exist in actuality. God knows all the variables concerning things that have not occurred. Jesus knew. This is cool. This is amazing. This is awesome. Jesus knew what Tyre and Sidon would have done had the gospel been preached to them in Matthew eleven twenty one. He knows all the variables. God is the Lord of all the variables. He is sovereign. God knows all future events. Because God is eternal... And those all things in one eternal act, events that are future to man are an eternal now to God. They're future to us, they're, they are an eternal now to God. He knew the nations that would dominate Israel. Daniel 2, 36 through 43 and 7, 4 through 8. Read those passages. It is amazing. Daniel, written sometime around 600 B.C., 600 to 550 B.C., and, and he was prophetic about all these events that would happen to Israel, God knew. And he also knows the events that will yet transpire upon the earth in Matthew 24, 25, and Revelation chapter 6 through 19. Everything is an eternal now to God. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Psalm 115, 3, the name Almighty means the Mighty One. And it's probably derived from the verb meaning to be strong. We serve a strong God, a strong God. Francis Chan was golfing with someone, and he wasn't a blind golfer. I think he's pretty good, probably better than me. And he's golfing with somebody he doesn't even know, which is cool because Francis Chan, being who Francis Chan is, tries to share the gospel with this guy. And he starts talking about God, and the guy says, you know, you're not supposed to talk about religion and politics. And so Francis Chan says, okay. So that was maybe hole number two. And so a few minutes later, they're on hole number eight or something. And somehow it comes up again, probably by divine appointment. And they start talking about God again. And the man says, I, I find it hard to believe that, 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 that God could create the world in six 24-hour days or something to that effect. And Francis Chan said something I do believe Chan believes in a young earth creation, but he was trying to build a bridge with him, and so he says something like, I understand. That can be hard to believe. Well, we believe in a big God. 
we believe in a powerful God. We believe in a strong God. Why do we compromise creation or the flood when we can believe other things? We believe we're going to be raptured in the blink of an eye and given perfect bodies. The blink of an eye is less than a second. I don't know how someone knows that. Uh, but we're going to be raptured and given perfectly new, complete bodies. These bodies that have been, you know, uh, burned up in war or put down in the bottom of the ocean or whatever may happen. They're going to be raptured. It doesn't matter if they're five miles deep in the ocean or buried in Europe from World War II. They're going to be made complete in the blink of an eye. We believe in a strong God, a mighty God. He is all-powerful. We call that omnipotent. And don't we want God to be all-powerful? Someone once said, we want God to be sovereign, <laughs> but we don't want him to be in control of our lives. We want him to be in control except maybe our life. There's more attributes, sovereignty, mercy, grace, justice, patience, jealousy, wrath, wisdom. Understand, if God is against sin, that means he has wrath. If he does not have wrath against sin, then he is not loving. Oftentimes, we want God to be a God of love, but not a God of wrath. If God truly is loving, that means that he has wrath against sin. Sin is against his people, and sin is ultimately against God. Psalm 51, King David prays, against you, you only have I sinned. Wisdom. One of the communicable attributes of God is wisdom. He shares that attribute with us. Say with me, God the Father is not all there is to God. God the Father is not all there is to God. You know, God is three persons. We see evidences of this in the Old Testament as well. Would anyone like to name an evidence of Jesus or the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? Just call it out from where you're seated. Yeah, Greg. The burning bush, okay. You see as evidence of the Holy Spirit? All three, okay. The triune God and the burning bush. Okay, I won't dispute that. I would agree. So name some, another one. Come on, uh, Jim. Yes, yes, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Another one with the Holy Spirit, also in creation, the Holy Spirit is there too. Anyone want to name it? Spirit moved amongst the waters, the Spirit hovered over the waters. The Spirit moved along the waters, Genesis 1-2 Genesis 1.26, let us, let us make man. God uses a plural pronoun. God is spirit, Colossians 1.15. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Some believe that when God appears in the Old Testament, that is really Jesus being the visible image of the invisible God. So God is three persons. Each person is fully God. God is one. One what? Three who's. Sometimes we try to understand the Trinity, and that's okay to try. But I have to believe God is bigger than my understanding. I want to talk about some applications, because I know this is a more intellectual-driven message. But my main application has to do with unity and diversity in the Trinity. 
In the Trinity, we have unity and diversity. We have harmony, we have love, and we have submissiveness. Jesus is submissive to God the Father. There is an obedience there. And since there's unity and diversity in the Godhead, that means that we can have unity and diversity in the church. We can, and we should, and we ought to. We need to be united in perfect fellowship. Jesus was submissive to God the Father, and God the Father really is not greater than God the Son. But there was a mutual submissiveness, a respect and obedience. We can be submissive to one another, and that's not saying one person is greater than the other. We must be united with the church, as a church as much as we can. We must seek out diversity and gifts and talents and cultures in the church. Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. Revelation 7, 9 through 11. That's not in your notes if you want to write it down. Revelation 7, John sees this image of worship in heaven. That's so cool. We have an image of worship in heaven. And in the image, he sees many tribes, many tongues, many nationalities. Racism, we just celebrated Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Racism does not fit with Christianity. Christianity is a bunch of cultures all together worshiping the Savior. In their own language, by the way. They were still using their own languages. We can have unity and diversity in marriage. We must be united as families. we got to try to be united as families. There can be submissiveness in the home, and that's biblical. <clears throat> we can have unity and diversity in family. God is perfect, and God is love. Get this. There is absolute love in the triunity of the Godhead. That is encouraging. There is absolute love in the triunity of the Godhead. God did not need to create us to fulfill love. Some start to think, well, if God is loving, he had to create humanity for love. That's not true. He had all the love in the fellowship of the triunity of the Godhead. He had all the love necessary in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He does not need us. He chooses to love us, and he does love us. Jesus modeled obedience to the Father, even though the Father is not greater than the Son, so we can be submissive and obedient to authorities. We can be submissive and obedient to loved ones. We are called to be submissive and obedient to authorities, both within the church and within the culture. When our family, our church, exhibits faithfulness, love, and harmony, we are reflecting the triunity of the Godhead, and that is amazing. And we glorify him. So how are you doing with unity? Do you need to heal a relationship? How are you doing with racism? You know those thoughts that come to mind about certain groups? We can be united in diversity. How are you doing with humble submission and service? Jesus was humbly submissive to the Father. Serve someone this week in honor of Jesus and in every week. Heal a relationship this week in honor of the Trinity. If you use social media... Don't say anything on social media that you wouldn't say to someone's face. Love people. I'm amazed at the arguments on Facebook, but I don't even use Facebook that much. I look occasionally. If you send me a message on Facebook, I'll get it on my phone and I'll check it. Uh, you don't argue on that type of thing. Application again. When we are united in diversity with harmony, love, submissiveness, we are most reflecting the Godhead.
In John 17, 20 and 21, Jesus is praying to the Father, and he says this, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Isn't this cool? Jesus is praying for us. He's praying for you. And know what he's praying for? For our unity. He's praying that we would be one, just like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This is about the Trinity and the church and unity. What a powerful application as we study God. But the most important application is that we know God. Do you know Jesus as Lord and as Savior? Have you committed to him? We see the drama of creation when you read Genesis to Revelation. Not in a single day, but over a year or two or five. We see that God created us to be with him. But our sins separate us from God. There was the creation. God created us good. He created us very good. And then the fall, Genesis 3. Our sins separate us from God. People all over on the news will say, what's wrong with the world? Genesis 3 is what's wrong with the world. We are in a fallen world. And our sins cannot be removed by good works. So creation, fall, redemption. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Jesus, the hound of heaven, chases us down. And everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. And life that's eternal means we will be with Jesus forever. Have you accepted Jesus' free gift of forgiveness? Are you committed to him? And I'm not talking about a one-time commitment at Bible school when you're in first grade. Are you continually living for Jesus? I was talking to Mercedes and Abigail about the gospel last night. They're in their bunk beds. And, you know, I just felt God calling me to talk to them about the gospel and... Mercedes um, has accepted Jesus' free gift of forgiveness. She reaffirmed that last night. And I told her, this is a continual commitment. It's not a one-time commitment. It's an, you've got to continually commit to Jesus because the devil's going to press hard. The world's going to press hard. And we've got to be in a continuing, ongoing relationship with Jesus. And that's what I'm asking you about now. Are you in that continuing, ongoing, life-sustaining relationship with Jesus? Because as I look upon the church across the United States, I can see a statistic that says one thing and a church that says the opposite. I can see an illogical church where we, we say we're committed, but we're only at church once a month. What's going on? We say we're committed, but our Bible stays on the shelf. We don't even open the Word of God. God communicated to us, and we never read it. It's amazing. God communicated to us. We have this inspired book. We don't read it. Where is your commitment to Jesus? Do you need to repent today? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray for this body of Christ right now. I pray the same thing for myself. I pray the same thing for myself that I pray for them. Lord God, I pray that you help us to live for you. Help us to live for you in, 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 in unity, in diversity. We, we, are, we are a large gathering of Christians we have many different gifts and talents and spiritual gifts. We have many different uh, needs. 
many different cultures and races represented in the universal church. And we're called to be united. And we're terrible at that. Lord, help us to repent. I'm sorry for whatever divisions I've caused. Help us to be united. Help us to be one. Jesus, you prayed for us to be one. You did. Therefore, we are we are in sin if we're not united, if we're not trying to be united, if we're not pursuing being united. But the first step is being united with you, Jesus. And we cannot be united with you unless we accept your free gift of forgiveness and unless we repent. Jesus, I'm reminded that sin means to break a relationship. Therefore, when we sin against you, we must repent. And Jesus, I thank you that your blood covers a multitude in every single sin. Lord, if there's those here that have never, ever turned their life to you, may today be the day of salvation. May they repent. May they confess their, that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. May they believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by you. Oh, Jesus, we rejoice that there is a way to heaven. Oh, we give you praise. Lord God, we trust in you. We commit to you. Lord, if there's those here that they've committed to you time and time again, and they stumble and they fall, as we all do, may today be a day of repenting and turning to you again. Turning to you again. And saying, help, Jesus, help me to live for you. We believe in you. We trust in you. We commit to you. But we sin. We turn back to you. Jesus, help us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please stand if you're able as we sing hymn 408, I Surrender All.